0: Welcome to Health Outlook, a podcast and interview series focused on helping pre-health students understand various fields within the world of healthcare. I am your host, Anirudh Madali, and I am a sophomore at the University of Michigan studying neuroscience and pursuing a career in medicine. My academic interests include neurology, cognitive science, biomechanics, and sports physiology. Each episode, I interview pre-health students, health professionals, and anyone else doing meaningful work or service in healthcare. My goals for this podcast is to help those like me in their pre-health journey to understand the many possible paths we may take to creating a better world around us and improving health care on an individual level. This episode features an amazing conversation with two fellow pre-med students, Isha Kode and Sanjana Chakri, who are founders of a mental health nonprofit organization, Happy to Thrive. Isha is a freshman at the College of New Jersey studying psychology. She is a social entrepreneur, mental health advocate, and the first ever Miss Teen India Worldwide. Sanjana is a junior at Rutgers University. She is also a social entrepreneur, mental health advocate, model, and dancer. Both Isha and Sanjana shared great stories and even some valuable advice for other pre-health students. For Health Outlook, they're the first current pre-meds I've had the opportunity to interview for this platform. And I believe many people will benefit from our discussion of their current experiences in attending college during a pandemic, their origins of interest in medicine, and their experiences in shadowing and clinical care settings. In relation to their mental health organization, Happy to Thrive, we also discussed how they started and grew their organization, as well as some possible future plans to grow and spread their message. Personally, my favorite part about our conversation was when they opened up about the effect of social media on individuals like themselves who run multiple accounts and use their platform to help fight the stigma around mental health, as well as the effect of the spotlight from modeling and pageants, which they also have to balance for their own mental health. This was a very entertaining and informative conversation, and I believe any aspiring physician, whether you're in high school, college, or even further in the process, will be able to take something away from this episode. I hope you enjoy, and I hope you like Health Outlook. Let's dive into my conversation with Isha and Sanjana. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, First off, thank you so much Isha and Sanjana for sitting down with me and discussing your stories. As a fellow pre-med, I think today's conversation will be a great way for people our age to understand what they can do during this stage of the journey to, you know, to medicine and looking forward. Uh, To start, I'd like to give you the chance to introduce yourself to the listeners, uh, starting with uh, Sanjana.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm a junior at Rutgers University. I'm studying cell biology and neuroscience. Uh, That's my major, and I'm minoring in theater, and I'm also minoring in religion. Um, Yeah, so that's my basically what I'm doing for now, and I'm also, I've worked as a pharmacy technician in my past. I've shadowed at a couple of clinics and um, emergency departments, and yeah.
2: Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Isha. I'm currently a freshman at the College of New Jersey. Um, I'm majoring in psychology, and I'm on the pre-med track. Um, I will be a medical scribe soon, so I'm excited for that. Um, I've shadowed um, multiple surgeons because I am aspiring to become a pediatric surgeon. And both Sanjana and I are actually both co-founders of a mental health nonprofit called Happy to Thrive.
0: Great. Yeah, um, we'll definitely be talking about Happy to thrive later. But first, I want to begin by discussing your college career so far. Um, Sanjay, you're a junior in college. You've been able to live a relatively normal college life for a year and a half before the pandemic. Uh, what do you miss the most? Is there anything you like more now than you would have had on campus?
1: Um, well, to start off with what I missed the most, I definitely have to say having a good group of friends that motivate you and to teach you different ways of studying and um, keeping yourself competitive in the pre-med field. And I think what I enjoy now, despite everything that's happening, even though it's online, I like the fact that a lot of it's self-paced, so I'm able to figure out my own routine and figure out like what works for me as I'm going forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the part about Having friends who are constantly like around you and kind of fostering that competitive relationship is great. Uh, I, back in Michigan, I had a similar experience with a couple of friends. Obviously, I didn't really know anyone when I went in, um, so it was definitely more of a learning curve for me rather than um, perhaps a lot of my other friends from high school who went to in-state schools and kind of had that uh, fundamental basis. Did you have that uh, going into college, or were you kind of did you kind of have like a clean slate?
1: Uh, I think probably I, I went in without that going into college because most of my friends are already majoring in different things. A lot of them are computer science and a lot in business.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: think it was a it was a struggle, but also a great journey to find a great group of friends who are in the pre-med and health science field.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you, should. you should. As a freshman, you haven't really experienced true college life yet. Uh, personally, I knew I had to kick it up a notch after my summer before college because obviously I moved away and was living on my own terms a little. Um, how did you find that spark to start college with a different mentality than you know the, the second semester of high school, um, despite still staying at home?
2: I think it was basically just my mindset. Like throughout high school, we're always, especially if you, if you already know that you wanna be into, in the pre-med field in high school, like we're already just competitive individuals, right? And like, we're looking forward to college from high school. So I kind of just had to adapt that mindset and be like, you know, at least you're still gonna be in college. You have access to the computer, you have internet, like you're fine. The only thing I'm missing out on is like social connections and you know actually developing bonds with professors. But I think I'm, I'm doing as well as I can um, in the time that I have as a freshman.
0: Yeah, um, I think that there are a lot of people out there that I know who kind of had that struggle because, obviously, second semester you you know you kick back a little, and although maybe you didn't have the opportunity to experience what everyone really usually does uh, for you know prom and whatever the, the um, classic second semester events are, uh, it definitely is a struggle for some people to still stay in the same place except mentally be in a different place. And I think uh, acknowledging that and really trying to focus in on that as a student is uh, something that you don't really need to do um, just as a freshman. It kind of is a universal for, you know, people like Sanjay and I who experienced a regular college life and had to change gears again, uh, going back and forth between the, you know, staying at home, normal life, and then the college life where everything needs to be, you know, calculated and um, acknowledged. Um, go, uh, I guess uh, focusing on your time as very successful uh, entrepreneurs or social entrepreneurs, modeling pageants, social media, dance, and more, um, to just to name a few, this is a fairly simple question, which you can feel free to answer with a specific anecdote um, or just your general feelings. But How did you decide on the pre-med track out of all the options that you had, um, starting with Isha?
2: Okay, Um, my story is kind of weird. Um, When I was 10, I actually had an appendectomy where you um, basically remove my appendix. Um, And the surgeon I had, he was like super old. He was like a 70-year-old white dude. But he (laughs) actually minored in art in college, apparently. So I was a competitive tennis player back then. And he actually like Um, carved my Band-Aid into a tennis player. And he was super sweet. He was the reason why I wanted to enter the medical field. Then fast forward seven years in high school, I got to mentor a pediatric surgeon as part of my high school's mentorship program. And I was mentoring this pediatric surgeon. And then I found out that she actually worked under the surgeon who performed surgery on me. So then I got to meet him seven years later. So it was like full circle. And you know, by that time he was obviously like seventy-seven years old, still as passionate mm-hmm. as he was um, when he did surgery on me. And we just had such a good convo about conversation about how he loves the medical field, and I think I want to make my other patients, my future patients, feel the same way that he made me
0: feel. Wow, that's a great inspiration. Uh, just out of curiosity, who? Uh, which tennis player was it?
2: it? Oh, it was just a random girl.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Sanjay, how did you uh, get into pre-med?
1: I think pre-med for me was quite a bit of a journey as well. Uh, From a young age, I've always been interested in anything in the realm of like a scientific process, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, I mean, this is cliche, but like helping people is not like a definitive enough answer to say, I want to enter the pre-med field. And I think from a young age, I've been under that mindset. And after I went to college, I actually had a... um, quite of a journey like I think from talking to like my mentor was actually a pharmacist so um after going talking to her I was like oh maybe I want to expose myself to the realm of pharmacy and like that it was I was very um indecisive in what I wanted to do but I think by the time I came to my junior year I met a wonderful organic chemistry professor and a TA that really shaped my mind about like what I wanted to do they really helped me understand like uh, that why I wanted to major in neuroscience, how I see it relating to psychology and how I liked it, it all being put together with um, happy to thrive. Mm-hmm. So that put me on the right track in terms of like why I wanted to pursue neuroscience. And then I think also being able to be exposed to a um, brain surgery that I did uh, during my rounds, uh, I think back in 2016, I'm not sure the exact year, but the doctor I met, everything, it just felt like it all clicked in the right moment
0: for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's two great points that uh, you made. One is a little more, I guess, humorous in the fact that you were inspired by your Orgo teacher, which uh, I feel like for a whole lot of pre-meds out there is the exact opposite because obviously or, uh, organic chemistry is a weeder class and, you know, a lot of people do not like their time in Orgo. Personally, I, I had a great uh, organic chemistry teacher, so I definitely share your um I guess your experience, uh, but also talking about your rounds. I know that you said you you did your rounds in like 2016. That's fairly early in any premeds journey to doing any sort of shadowing or clinical care experience. Uh, how did you feel in terms of, uh, I guess, getting into that as an, at an early age when you might not even be ready to see you know something that uh, is not exactly uh, common within the healthcare. Uh, field.
1: I think that was a great introduction and like you said at that time my mind was not as mature and I wasn't exactly sure what I was getting into but it was a great exposure and I think now when I'm able to like reflect on it after finishing my courses after like going through a series of like uh, different pre-med related activities it's a great point to like reflect on and like the stuff that I didn't capture as like a young Child, when I was like doing that, I'm able to recall on now and see like where everything made sense and like the processes and all. It's a it was a great point of reflection for me personally.
0: Yeah, uh, Isha, I know that when you when I started this past fall semester, it felt like everything was a lot more rigorous than it was when things shifted um, to virtual last March. But obviously, you didn't really have that experience as a second semester senior. How has your workload felt so far in college?
2: Um. I think I went to a pretty competitive high school. I went to a vocational high school, um, which was more for like people who were interested in med. Mm -hmm. So I have to credit my high school for that. Like they definitely did prep me really well for college. And I don't know, maybe it's because like I'm online for college also that like, I'm not struggling as much as I thought I would. Um, But I mean, second semester I do have like biochem and psych at the you know, same time, so maybe I'll struggle more second semester. But for now, I think because of my high school, I'm done doing okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, pre-med prerequisite classes, and I think uh, this is kind of like a holistic question to both of you. Um, how do you f- how do you find or how did you find all the filter classes, uh, like Orgo, the physics sequence, biochem. Obviously, Isha, you're just getting into this, and then Sanja, you are probably ahead of me in, the, in this, um, I guess, track. Uh, how did you find, or how did you find these classes in relation to your majors, because obviously your majors are very connected to some of these classes. Um, I know that, that, you know, personally speaking, neuroscience kind of overlaps with a lot of biochemistry, genetics, all those kind of stuff. Um, Sunjin, I guess you could go first uh, answering that.
1: Yeah, sure. I think um, it was definitely a process with all of it. I think because I started off as a freshman taking chem, bio and physics together. Mm-hmm. So that was quite a lot for me. And I think like each as I went on from going from chem one to chem two, like it was definitely a great learning curve. And um yeah every course like there was a set way to study for it it wasn't just like about studying but to like also remember that this material is going to reflect again one day in our medical education and like keeping that in mind it was like developing what works for us and figuring it out and i think by the time i took organic chemistry last semester um i finally had like a definitive routine and i knew like how i wanted to proceed on these courses mm-hmm. it kind of a lot of it
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i feel like um personally i didn't take like chem one or chem two uh, I kind of had to go directly into uh, organic chemistry, so uh, even though I didn't really struggle, re- uh, like because I kind of took chemistry, what in like tenth grade of high school, uh, for me it was just uh, that getting over that initial obstacle of kind of uh, recalling all the basic concepts as opposed to learning them firsthand through maybe like a gen chem introductory sequence. Uh, Isha, how have you? Th- how have you kind of gone through? The initial bump of getting through those, you know, pre-pre med or pre rec classes.
2: Um, it's been tough. Uh, I think I had to definitely find a new study routine. Um, in high school, obviously, you have like a set time that you're in school, and then you have a set time that you have to study, and then you know you go back and you repeat the same thing. In mm-hmm. college, like you have like two classes maybe um, one day, and then like one the next day. So you kind of have more time for yourself in college is what I figured out. So that could go either way. Either you like really screw yourself self up or you really use that time wisely. Um, so yeah, the first two weeks I did struggle a little bit. I was like, I feel useless. Like, how is this college? You know, I have so much time for myself. But um, I think reading the textbook, you know, looking ahead at the syllabus, asking questions is definitely important. That's how I've been handling it.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely like a, it's like a very um, quick learning curve when it comes to each semester. The first two weeks seem like nothing's happening. And then you'll have like three exams in the first, in the like the next week. And then you're like, oh, okay, now we're in the middle of it. Uh, So it's, yeah, I understand completely what you mean. And I think, having it all virtual where you're not really understanding other people's experiences also because obviously when you're on campus you see like oh like I have this exam I have this exam and everyone's talking about it but when you're virtual it's kind of just like oh it's me in my own little world and you know it's a lot more isolated um I guess moving on to your experiences working or interning in clinical and clinical care environments which Sanjana kind of discussed a little. I, as well as those out there who haven't gotten around to do this that much uh, due to the pandemic or other priorities, would like to know about your experiences and feelings about these opportunities. I know shadowing is thought of as like an item on the pre-med checklist when in reality it's an experience that is uh, almost like self-fulfilling because it allows for students to really experience the life of a a physician um, and kind of understand whether they could see themselves in a physician's shoes. Um, For many pre-meds, it kind of reinforces their passions and then drives them to find more opportunities in healthcare uh, and it's clear that it's happened to both of you. Um, However, shadowing experiences could also show a student that maybe this isn't what they thought a medical career career could entail. Um, Was there a specific moment for uh, either of you during shadowing or volunteering in a clinical care setting when, you felt doubt about a career in medicine?
3: Yeah, all right, I'll start.
1: <laughs> so I think uh, recently I did a virtual shadowing experience, right, and uh, through that one, they exposed us basically to different doctors in different departments. And I'd never had like the exposure to emergency de- uh, medicine before that. Mm-hmm. So when I got to hear about the doctor's experience, he showed us like real life, like clips of him and everything. And I realized like, it was a lot of like breaking up this perception that I had of what emergency medicine was like. I feel like, you know, growing up when you don't have that experience, you just think of like Gray's Anatomy and you're like, oh, that's mm-hmm. like, but um, I think seeing that definitely like helped me like form my opinion about um, knowing that like, maybe that's something that I wanna do. I like, yeah, like initially I think I was a bit nervous when I was like looking at emergency medicine. I was like, maybe, it's just like oh it's being geared, how fast you can react and all but there's a lot more you have to realize there's like empathy in it like your ability to think your um like a lot more i just can't think of it off the top mm-hmm. of my head but like i think it's like it definitely helped me form my opinion on like oh i see what emergency medicine's a lot uh, what it's all about
0: yeah that's a great point i think um understanding that you really don't know anything about the medical career as a pre-med is something that people should really think about um, because I feel like even if you grow up around physicians or know physicians, um, you really only know the tip of the iceberg when it comes to all that entails a physician's life. Uh, Isha, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Um, yeah, I think shadowing and clinical experience for me, I decided not to do the field that I shadowed or had um, gotten experience in, which I think is really important or just as important um I know in between um in high school I was on and off with the whole pediatric surgeon thing and I was like okay maybe I want to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist so I ended up shadowing this um psychiatrist in Wisconsin and I was like this is not it um it Mm -hmm. was very slow like I want to be like more hands-on with my patients I want to be able to like quickly diagnose them fix them right away you know and move on um with psychiatry it's more like talking, which I'm not really fond of. (laughs) Um, Definitely what
0: you want to hear from a podcast guest.
2: (laughs) All right, guys. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I I really just wanted surgery, which then I, um, like I said, I shadowed a pediatric surgeon in high school. And then I was like, okay, I want to do this. But then she was a general surgeon. And general Mm -hmm. surgery, again, is boring for me. Because she just really focused on the stomach, which, um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really find that interesting. So I, I think heart is where, cardio is like what I'm going for. But yeah, shadowing definitely helped me figure out, okay, what exactly do I want in the
0: medical field? Interesting. So um, I guess a follow-up question to that is, why did why are you... Um, I guess, I don't want to say fixated, but why are you interested specifically on surgery? Uh, because you talked about how you're interested in pediatrics. Um, there's obviously a difference between a pediatric surgeon and a pediatric um, like general physician. Uh, have you kind of thought about that? I know obviously you're a freshman, so you're very young, um, but when when did you kind of realize, oh, maybe surgery is more um, the route that I want to take?
2: Um, well, I never got to actually shadow like a pediatrician per se, mm-hmm. but. I shadowed like um, a geriatrician. Is that is that a thing? Uh, is,
0: yeah, I think that's the right word.
2: Yeah. Geriatrics. He was, yeah. was for geriatrics.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um so I was with him and obviously it's a whole different age group,
3: mm-hmm. but
2: basically what you do is you know, communicate with the patient and then based on what they're telling you, figure out a diagnosis and then you know, medication stuff like that. But I just I don't know, I just I felt like that was just a normal nine to five job, in my opinion, you know, like I want to be kept Mm -hmm. in clothes. I want to like perform exhilarating work and surgery is like where I think I will fit in at the moment. Um, You know, I know, you never know, I might change the field completely. But for now, like, I really do think surgery is where I belong.
0: Yeah. And Sanjana, did you um, have this kind of mentality as a freshman, which changed to maybe now uh, relating to emergency medicine? Or were you always just kind of like, medicine is medicine, and then get into emergency medicine uh, recently?
1: I think I've always had the mentality of wanting to be in emergency medicine, because whatever it is, I think I've always been someone who needed to be on my toes, I cannot sit still. Mm -hmm. I knew that I've always wanted to like, do something in the realm of medicine, but something also fast paced. And uh, I also had the opportunity to a shadow an in internal medicine specialist. And I remember like when I was doing it, like I, I just watched her, like it'd be a lot of patients going into her office and then she'd have a discussion, talk about it. It was very slow diagnosis, like Isha was mentioning.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think just seeing that I was like, wow, like I love the fact that she's able to talk to her patients, interact, but I just did not like the idea that it was glued to that like one uh, specific compartment, I guess. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I had the opportunity to go to hospital and like see the doctors working on a fast-paced life and like making quick decisions, I was like, this is something that I definitely see myself doing too.
0: Yeah, and I think both of you had brought up great points about, um, obviously like uh, Isha, you're a bit younger than uh, Sanjana, but when it comes to coming in with a, I guess, specific interest in a uh, field of medicine and then, be, by, but still being open to other ideas. Uh, personally, I think, I also kind of struggled with that in, uh, in the beginning, uh, ever since I was like probably in middle school, I always said that I wanted to be a neurologist and I still do for the most part, uh, but, uh, but obviously learning about, you know, uh, with a specific interest in sports, learning about uh, injuries to some of my favorite players like Kevin Durant, um, I think about how sports medicine is really prevalent and you know, uh, helping in rehab or you know, physiology in general, um, I think about, you know, sports medicine as, in, as a future interest in medicine. Um, so I think that keeping an eye open or an ear open also uh, to really understand the different fields within medicine is uh, kind of crucial to a pre-med because you don't really want to get stuck in that tunnel vision and then look back and think, oh, what if? And I hope those who are listening can take something from these experiences and remember this when they may come across some sort of roadblock uh, in their journey. I wanna now talk about your mental health nonprofit organization, uh, Happy to Thrive. To start, I'd like to know how you two came up with this idea that came to be around in 2019, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, so feel free to go ahead.
2: Um, I think Sandra and I, we both really wanted to do something that was a lot like whole, not holistic, but different from other mental health nonprofits where like other ones in the same field kind of focus on more like medical health um, and that kind of, and we kind of wanted to go for more like community-based um, health where we wanted to kind of just have you know positive vibes um, and tell people and educate people that you know mental health is a thing um, it's just as important as physical health and so we kind of just brainstormed on how we could push that idea and we came up with like the nonprofit um,
0: thing yep yeah. Um, I want to talk about your mental health and its importance in, sorry, about mental health in general and its importance in your lives. Uh, Both of you run popular social media accounts, in uh, Isha's case, multiple, Uh, and essentially, I don't know if you have uh, as many as Isha is running, Uh, but how do you you find uh, both of you? How do you two find ways to disconnect from social media despite having such prominent following?
1: I think with social media it's how you want to utilize it and that's the one big lesson that i've learned over the years um mm-hmm. before i would be like the accounts you follow like what your feed it's all something that's up to you it's what you filter it down to so um i think over the years as i realized that like what i wanted to follow was like inspiration positivity and working towards that it's okay to step back from like what you don't want to see mm-hmm. and also nice to like i think it was also definitely a big confidence booster being vocal about whatever it is that I wanted to put out in the world and uh, utilize it to make an impact even if it's one person. So that's one way that I think social media has helped me. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, I think the same thing for me. Uh, I definitely had to like unfollow like you know those celebrities that you know you're following just for the sake of following and then it's just like unnecessary toxic (laughs) information going into your head because you know as human beings we it's in our nature to compare ourselves, right? Um, mm. And, you know, we overthink and all of that. So why not just remove the thing that's like, you know, making you feel like that? So then, I mean, it's not nice, but like, you know, it's, it's helping my mental health, right? So you kind of just unfollow them and then you follow the people who are really inspiring. Um, on top of that, I think I have an iPhone. So there's this option to limit your screen time, which is genius. Um, I thought <laughs> that Apple came up with that. I totally make use of that. And also just taking that one hour before you wake up, I mean, um, before you go to bed and then after you wake up to just not look at your phone, like do anything other than looking at your phone. Like, I don't know, read your Kindle, read a book, journal, but just don't look at your phone those like first few hours. That really did make a huge difference.
0: Yeah, um, I have always hear that, you know, uh, don't look at your phone an hour before bed. Don't look at your phone. An hour after you wake up, uh, I I find it really hard to kind of implement those uh, that that advice into my life. Uh, I definitely think that it's uh I, it's it's interesting because when you think about um you know like a college student's life, it's always like you know work work and work and work until like maybe twelve or one or whatever, and then go to sleep, right? So it's really hard to kind of give that one hour of gap because you're like uh, I don't know I mean might as well just go to sleep now. Um, So I feel like that's more a learning curve kind of, okay, yeah, let's do 20 minutes or like half an hour and then working your way up to that one hour. Uh, But yeah, that is great advice. Uh, As models and pageant contestants, you were and at occasion still are in the spotlight um, with many eyes on you, to say the least. Uh, Have you had times when you had to take a step back and assess your mental health out of exhaustion, fear or doubt?
2: Um yes Uh, I think mine came more from so at one point in my life I was just obsessed with what other people would think um Mm -hmm. specifically like I'm an Indian okay so like my Indian family they obviously don't have the same mentality that I might have you know so I was always very conscious of that and then I was also very conscious of okay what are my friends here gonna think you know and I was like in that trap, I think as an Indian American, a lot of people would feel that way, you know, we would have, we fall into that trap sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely like taking a step back and reflecting on, okay, you like, what do you want? Um, you know, really taking time to reflect on that. Also, I love listening to like podcasts and also um, motivational speeches on YouTube. I know that sounds really cheesy, but <laughs> Denzel Washington, there's this one speech of his, um, and in the video, he's like, OK, when your time comes, when you're laying on your deathbed, like all of your unfulfilled dreams are going to come back to you as ghosts. And they're just going to sit there with you on at your deathbed. And I was like, all right. So if I keep having that mentality of, you know, what are other, other people going to think of me and prevent myself from doing what I want to do, I'm just like, you know, not going to live a healthy life. Mm-hmm. So definitely seeking for more inspiration and changing your mentality
0: has helped. Do you think the, I guess, the beginnings of your time um, as a, you know, a social entrepreneur and influencer, uh, do you think like those beginning stages is when your mental health is, I guess, most, I don't want to say at risk, but at um, scrutiny to other people?
1: For sure. I think that's probably, when you're starting something like this, I think you're probably in your most vulnerable moments. And Mm -hmm. it's easy to get sucked into the trap of, thinking about like what others would think, like Isha was saying, like the community, our friends and all, but uh, one thing that I've learned is to be able to differentiate uh, the reason, like what others are thinking from the reason why I wanna do what I'm doing. And yeah, I think it's important to keep going back and reflecting and remembering like the purpose of whatever you're doing, be it like modeling or be it like starting the happy to thrive message, uh, going back and remembering why I wanted to do it and knowing that there will be a thousand people of which half of them are gonna like what you're doing, and half of them won't like. And we can't cater to everyone. It's in the end of the day what fulfills your uh, self of like, your yeah your self purpose, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you make sure to monitor your own mental health during the pandemic? As you know, people who really shouldn't be reliving their high school lives in college.
2: Uh, for me, I developed a strict routine. Like I need routine. I'm a routine person.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so i developed a strict routine and that's kind of how i stuck with it i also developed new habits i hated reading like i genuinely like very much hated reading like with a passion um but i think during quarantine reading just kind of became like therapy you kind of it's your way to escape from your phone you know not being on instagram all day and just read and learn um more because books are a great way to learn you know like Jay Shetty, I don't know if people know about him, but you know he released a book, um, that really popular book about like seven habits of highly effective people, mm-hmm. so I think reading, um, developing new habits, and following a routine helped me, um, my mental health.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think yeah very similar to Isha's experience too. Um, I'm not as structured of a person as Isha is. I. <laughs> But I do have like in a day, I know that like there are certain things I need to accomplish. I know I need to read for like an hour. I need to journal at least like whatever I'm thinking for like 20 minutes. Um, I need to listen to some kind of a podcast. I don't know what hour of the day I'll do that, but mm-hmm. I know that as long as I'm doing those three, then I know that I'm maintaining like a positive vibe and I know that I'm doing what I wanted to. And I guess like the moment that I stop doing that, it's like a way for me to reflect that maybe there's something I need to change in my routine.
0: Yeah, um, great great points that you both made. One is Jay Shetty has a really good uh, podcast. I've listened to a couple of episodes of it. Um, I think one of them that was pretty entertaining was the one with his wife, I think. That was 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 an entertaining one. Um, Also, uh, I never really heard uh, people our age really hold a journal um, consistently. When did you get into that? Uh, Did you do that over the course of high school or was that kind of a college thing? Uh,
1: I started journaling, I think, Just at the start of lockdown, actually, like right before, like a month before, probably early February, Mm -hmm. and it was very inconsistent for me at that point. I didn't know where I was going with it. It would just be like randomly, like journaling my thoughts, like every week or so or something. And then over time, it just became a habit. I just made it like every day. I'd start like no matter what I wanted to say, good or bad, even if it's just a couple words, just jot it down. And then I found it to be a great escape and like a habit now, like. I feel so great to be able to just write everything that I want to write unfiltered and just know that like it's okay so now Mm -hmm. it's just a habit part of my day I have to do it.
0: Very interesting I think um, I've thought about uh, starting a journal or you know at least jotting down um, random things but I'm so like uh, I'm so into technology that I'm like oh I can use google notes or whatever they you know google docs and stuff and that's when it kind of you distract yourself because you're like oh once I'm in google drive I'm like oh I have this assignment to do, this assignment to do and you just kind of lose the sight of it um do you is it still like a notebook that you use or do you use it on your phone um it's, how exactly
1: yeah, it's it's yeah I think I'm a very like hands-on person even when I write my notes I like to do it in my notebook Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's a great way to like differentiate, like put away my phone. I think I get that hour before I get to go to sleep by using it like with the journal hands-on.
0: Yeah, Um, I think there's something that is really important about this time of the year, um, because obviously it's a new year. Uh, A lot of people have New Year's resolutions or goals that they set for the remainder of the year. Um, How do you two, I guess, how do you two view the new year's resolutions and goals in general in terms of affecting a person's mental health because I think personally that um, allowing for some uh, allowing you to kind of draw up those moonshot goals and put those up on a wall or maybe you know on like your laptop it allows you to set a um, I guess an unrealistic expectation of your you know your future mental health, right? Because you were like, oh, once I figure out all this stuff, I'm going to be the greatest person in the world. And I think that uh, kind of making those huge, huge goals uh, for an entire year is almost harmful to a certain extent, because you start to draw up things that you might not even get close to doing um, within what, 12 months, because I feel like everyone Uh, thinks that 12 months is a really long time it really isn't when it comes to you know maybe growing a brand or growing a business or in my uh, in my experience within like two months of or not even two months within a month of uh, starting my podcast I only have two episodes out and I thought I was going to have like 10 episodes out right so reality definitely hits Uh, what are you what are you um, your two opinions on that?
2: Um, I've definitely been a culprit of that. Um, I remember, like, during high school, like, I was obsessed with New Year's resolutions and would develop those, you know, long shot goals that are Mm -hmm. physically possible of achieving. Um, But I think 2019 is when I started to realize that if I really want to see change, and if that change is what I want to do and not, you know, based on what other people are telling me that I need to do, then I need to start small. Um, I know you hear that often, but really implementing that has really changed, like, changed me. Like, for example, fitness is something that, like, I'm into now. I don't know Mm -hmm. how it happened, but I'm into it. So 2019, my resolution was, okay, um, let's start working out. But I didn't set like, okay, you have to do it every day. You have to get, like, abs by, like, December, you know. I was just like, okay, start working out. So then 2019 happened, and it was good. I was starting to work out. And then 2020, I was like, okay, let's start making it a bit more consistent and try to eat a little bit more healthy. And Mm -hmm. then that happened. And now 2021 is here. And, you know, it's like, keep adding little, little things to your small goals. And eventually you'll accomplish whatever you want to do is what I realized.
0: Yeah. I I, I don't know who um, it was, but I saw like one of you two doing like this exercise where you had your knees on the floor and then you jumped into a squat and personally as a very tall person with long legs and a fairly high center of gravity um I like I thought about doing it I was like I'm not trying to fall and hurt myself because I have really long legs and I was thinking about it. I was like this is, this looks easy but it definitely is not so I, I first of all like huge props to you for you know figuring out how to do that
2: well I have long legs too so obviously if I could do it you can, you can do it. you'll fall for sure
3: look get it <laughs>
0: Uh Sanjay, did you have anything to add about, you know, New Year's resolutions and goals?
1: Uh, I think actually, honestly, Isha brought me onto this whole like spiral of like of reflection. I guess I still remember a few years ago, Isha and I would go to the gym, I think, when was it like 2016? Yeah, we yeah. Had no, like sense of idea as to like what we wanted to do. We just wanted to go in there. We're like, all right, we're getting abs no matter what. <laughs> and I think like now that I'm reflecting on it, we've come a long way from that. And I think by 2020, like I think my New Year's resolution was not have any resolutions because I've learned that actually my toxic trap because what I end up doing is I'm a very like linear person. If I set something, I'm very extreme about it. If I say like, okay, I want to be like, I want to get into fitness. If I do it consistently for a week, I skip one day, then I'll stop for like the rest of the year. I'll be like, okay, I messed it <laughs> up. I'll Restart next year. So, for me, it was just learning to be consistent and knowing that every day is not perfect. And whenever you want to make a change, you can do it at any point. You don't need a set date. You don't need any kind of like, like, you don't need any kind of like a special day. If you want to be a fit person, then you should know why you're doing it. It's not about getting abs to show anybody, realizing it's like for your own health. You want to, you have to do it the right way, establishing routine and being consistent.
0: So, yeah. Um, I When I came back from campus uh, early this fall, I came back a little early um, around like Halloween. And when I came home, I was like, okay, so now that I'm not on campus, I you know obviously have a little more um, time because I may not be doing everything that I need to be doing on campus, right? Um, so I was like, okay, let, why don't we try to get a gym membership? And part of me was like, really, do you really need to do that now? Like, can't you wait for the new year and then be like, you know, start it off 2021? I thought about, I was like, that's two months of, you know, doing nothing at home. And I'm, I'm really happy that I started like literally the day I got back. And it's been almost two months. I think missed like two days uh, out of this two months. So it's definitely like um, it's a mental thing because now it's part of my routine every day. From like what uh, from four to five thirty, that's when I work out at, at the gym. So I think starting starting that as early as possible, and not waiting. You know, using the you know that end of end of end of the year. You know, next year kind of excuses. Um, it can hurt because you can definitely prolong that um, mental gap because, yeah, you can start working out and stuff, but mentally getting into that kind of schedule and actually liking what you're doing, that takes a while. So if you wait until the next year, then you're essentially wasting a couple months of the new year just trying to get into that routine. So yeah, I definitely think both of you um, give great advice to hopefully uh, people who are listening will you know understand and take something out of this. Um, <clears throat> moving on to happy to thrive. You've been able to run many successful fundraisers and charity drives to to spread awareness and help those in need during unfortunate times. Uh, what is the most memorable or important event that you two planned?
1: Ooh. I think it's um, probably our very first event, right, Aisha? What do you think about that? The yeah. one we collaborated with Nats and. It was just so memorable because our first one we had no idea where to even start from like we had to do everything from scratch right mm-hmm. and it was such a great learning curve like there were things that like obviously we thought we were doing perfectly but then we talked to because we partnered up with another nonprofit organization Nats we learned from like their end they're a very well-established organization we're like wow there's a lot that we're doing wrong and then in the process things that we didn't even think about it was just so memorable like all the struggles and like everything that we've learned and Uh, that we're carrying forward into all of our new events as
0: we go forward. When was this, the first event?
1: It was August August 2019. Okay, okay. Through that, we also learned how to
2: communicate, so I'm just like, um, I remember NATS is a national, not even national, I think it's like internationally recognized nonprofit, So talking to like the vice president and the president of that organization, we were like, you know, Sanjana, what are we doing? You know, Mm -hmm. and then we also had our special guest. He was, um, he's a Tollywood actor and obviously we've never had a conversation with a Tollywood actor before. So it was a huge learning curve. Like communication was, we definitely developed a lot of communication skills because of that, um, event.
0: Mm -hmm. And, uh, how do you uh, how would you describe your experiences in growing your um, organization at the individual level because I think now you have over 40 um, volunteers or you know, members of your organization um, how have you two gone from just you two to you know a very large group now
1: I think like Isha was saying a lot of it was like communication we needed to get the idea across I mean there are a lot of people who are passionate about mental health who want to make a difference and who would love to get involved But in order to even reach those people, we need to figure out like a way of like making sure we can reach them and be like very communicative about like the ideas that we wanted to um, put out there. So yeah, I think it was a lot of that.
0: What is the future for Happy to Thrive? Um, I guess that's a a very broad question, but uh, to narrow it down, how do you see yourself growing this organization to reach more people battling with uh, illnesses, I guess, in a more minor way, just from like, you know, day-to-day basis um, or even educate those who may be ignorant of them and, you know, still live their lives thinking that mental illnesses and mental health isn't really an important issue.
2: Um, I think education is one of the top ways that people can actually learn about mental health, but education always has like this like negative connotation because, you know, no one wants to learn, right? But I think I realized if you want to change the way like older people think about mental health, they, I don't think they want to listen to the younger people, you know, like I, I feel like they don't um, take us as seriously. So mm-hmm. maybe instead of being so demanding, we can, you know, find people who, who are their age and like educate them that way. So that's why we do a lot of, um, and we want to do more of like webinars with, people who can actually connect with the older um, generation. And also when, you know, Corona is not a thing anymore, we can also have like in-person events and stuff like that. Uh, but we do have a lot of projects coming up, which we cannot unveil yet, but I'm <laughs> very excited.
0: Do you two see yourself uh, creating like college-wide chapters for Happy to Thrive in the Future? Because obviously you, uh, I mean, such as, um Well, probably by the time uh, life is normal again you'll be in your senior year Um, each you'll have a couple more years in college, do you think that college chapters is the way to go or is this more just kind of like a one organization one. um, You know platform, uh, I guess nonprofit.
1: I think definitely uh, opening up college chapters is one thing that we were looking at because, like we said, in the end of the day, we want our message to reach more people. And for sure I think with um, college advocates there's so many people with great ideas and like great ways to carry it forward so I think that's definitely one way we do want to proceed.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah um, I, I guess this is uh, going back to a point that Isha made about how uh, elder generations don't really view mental health as an important uh, issue. Um, I've had several conversations with people my age and you know with, uh, people like my parents about uh, all these kind of stuff why exactly do you think that our generation views mental health um as more important do you think it's kind of like a a cyclical thing where we see something online and because of that we view that as important to us and because we view it as important to us we post it online or we share the others and then it just starts another cycle or do you think that we just have the i guess um financial freedom or you know, socioeconomic freedom where we're allowed to think beyond just getting to the next paycheck or getting through the next paycheck.
2: I think you're definitely right um, about the whole cyclical thing. Um, but I also think a lot of it has to do with like culture. I mean, if you think about it, like our parents gr- were born and raised in, in, in India. So mm-hmm. um, obviously, it's completely different. And over here, yeah, we're like rooted in our Indian culture, but we also know more about the world than our parents knew at our age, right? Yeah. Um, I know for my parents, like traveling outside of the country was not really a thing for them, you know, vacation mm-hmm. the country. But for us, like we're able to go on family vacations, able to meet up with other cultures, um, not just our Indian culture, but you know, other cultures also. So I feel like we just have more awareness when it comes to
1: other people than um, our, parents had
0: yeah great point uh sanja
1: yeah for sure i think to add on to that i think um we're definitely privileged a lot more privileged than our parents were because with our dual identity of being indian and american there's a lot more like progressive ideas going along with this i guess we can call ourselves like generation z right mm-hmm. There's a lot more progressive ideas going around and there's more awareness and i think in general there's a more um we're more inclined to start talking about it and to normalizing it than we can see in our parents' generation. So I think that's probably like one reason why we see a lot more movement. I'm sure that like going forward, it'll only get more and more progressive.
0: Definitely. Uh, lastly, for those listening who may be interested in maybe getting uh, getting involved with the organization or simply learning about more about what you do, uh, what do you suggest they uh, do to kind of get into mental health or getting in, getting involved with Happy to Thrive?
2: I would just say, you know, if you f- believe that mental health is, um, you know, real, and you're actually willing to empathize with people and want to get rid of that mental health stigma, then Happy to Thrive will welcome you with open arms. Um, we, we just want to make change, um, you know, small steps. So we're looking for anyone who is interested in making that happen for us.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think even on like a personal level too, there are many ways in which you can already get involved with your own friends and family. And I think, yeah, that's the whole idea behind happy to thrive getting involved with your own personal life and making a difference.
0: Yeah. And for those who, for those who are listening, well, you heard it, Uh, happy to thrive on various social media platforms. I'm pretty sure, right. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are, you guys are covered on all the bases. Um, before we wrap up, I'd like to put you through a little bit of a speed round if you're up for it, and I'll answer these questions with, uh, with you. The rules are three questions, the first question requires three answers, second requires two, the last one requires one. Um, the first question is for Isha, what are three classes you're looking forward to taking as a pre-med? Uh,
2: psychology, biology, and bio two. <laughs>
0: Okay, interesting. Qu- interesting answer with bio too. Um, uh, qu- question for Sunshine: This is uh, this I'm going to answer with you. Uh, but what are the three hardest pre-med classes you've taken so far?
1: Organic chemistry, mm-hmm. uh, physics, and genetics.
0: Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to say biochem. Uh, yeah, biochem, orgo, and probably physics. Yeah.
2: Um, you guys are just scaring me more. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no it's
0: a good lesson. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's better that you you understand this now um, rather than going uh, thinking that everything's going to be all right. Um, I guess the second question, name your two favorite pastimes outside of anything you would find on your resume. Um, Isha, you can go ahead.
2: Netflix partying and running.
0: Interesting. Sanja? Um
1: dancing and probably bothering my puppy.
0: Great answers. Um, I'd probably just say playing tennis or basketball and probably playing 2k. Yeah. Uh, last question. And this is, this is, um, something that I thought of because I really want to understand like what what like a person's plan B is for anyone, um, you know, doing pre- uh, you know, pre- the pre health tracks or even a health professional um, outside of healthcare or public health. Realistically, what other field or profession would you pursue? Now, before you guys answer, I have a feeling that I know your your answers, um, but I definitely, I definitely want to hear you. Uh, Sanjay, you can go ahead.
1: Um, probably political science. Interesting. Um, definitely
2: not IT because no.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: social entrepreneurship, I think, is my second option.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to guess for both of you. Um, for me, uh, I guess. Realistically, see the reason why I said realistically is because I think that if I were given the chance I would probably try to go to the league or become a tennis pro and that's clearly not gonna happen. So that's why I put in the word realistically into the question, Um, but I'll probably go into maybe some sort of investment banking or something like that. Um, I'm in a business uh, consulting group. So obviously that um, helps me bridge the gap between uh, business and medicine. I think that people who are interested in business definitely don't have to shield themselves away from that if they're pre-med. I think there's a there's a great um, deal of I guess commonalities between the two. Uh, for I guess since that's the last question um, I do want to thank you uh, like very much for sitting down with me today and discussing your stories. I learned a lot from this um, not only about you two as individuals and in pre-meds but also your organization. Uh, I hope those who have made it to the end of this episode have also, before we finish, do either of you have anything you'd like to say?
2: Thank you. Um, This is such a great initiative that you started. Um, I have listened to your first episode so far, so I am loving it. And as a pre-med, it is definitely helping me. So thank you for this and thank you for having us.
3: Thank you.
1: Like Isha said, thank you, sir. So this is a great idea. I learned a lot about both of us, and I guess even myself (laughs) as I was talking, I was like, wow, great idea. So I think yeah, it was really helpful and it's a great idea. So keep it up.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, To all those listening, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, follow, share this with anyone who might want to learn more about Isha and Sanjana's mental health organization, Happy to Thrive, and their pre-med journeys, as well as health outlook. Uh, Thank you to all of you who made it to the end and I wish you the best of luck.